The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Now, your hosts, Christy Scales, Aisha Morrison, Nicole Hutchison, and Jess Navarez. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of Girls Talk, Boys Talk here at the beautiful SWBC podcast studios at the Star in Frisco. We are brought to you by Jigsaw Dating, by the way. Jess Navarez, Aisha Morrison, Nicole Hutchinson, and Christy Scales here with us today. Ladies, how are we feeling now that it's been 48 hours to officially absorb everything San Francisco? Um... And kind of just breathe on it. We're getting ready to turn the page here on the podcast. This will be the last day we really talk about it in depth. I know Aisha is screaming to be done with this conversation. Uh, she's blinking because that doesn't help me. The face says it all. Blink twice if you need help. There we go. Oh, there, there it is. Uh, she blinked three times. Oh, man. Um, so we're going to we're gonna get more into that discussion today. Aisha went back and watched some film. Um, the ladies here got to talk to some of the rookie class today. I'll let you guys talk about that event as well. And we'll just get into more discussion that we didn't get into today. Um, let's start with the event that happened today and the yeah. importance of that, ladies. Yeah, take wor- the floor. <laughs> World Mental Health Day couldn't have come at a better time after yes. this at San Francisco game. But it, it's awesome because uh, the rookie club presented by Blockchain, they do so many events throughout the year. And this year's rookie class, Nicole, you got to see them in action today. Just so outstanding. And so we had an event here at the Star where Bessie Coleman Middle School uh, drove up from Cedar Hill, which is just south of Dallas. And we were on the outdoor practice field. And Trisha from Cowboys Fit, one of our yoga instructors at Cowboys Fit, led a a 30-minute yoga session for uh, all the kids. And the rookie club was out there taking part in that. And then uh, Character Playbook, which is something that our community relations for the Cowboys and the NFL have focused on for many years. Our friends at Everfy help with that. And so to see those Cowboys rookies, the the kids were broken up into groups of four. And so we had four Cowboys rookies with each of those groups. And they talked about some really important topics. Yeah. I mean, of course, the topic of the day, mental health awareness. Um, And like I mentioned in my story that will be airing on special edition um, this week. Put the plug in, girl. Hey, guys, make sure to tune in. Uh, But no, it's just... Dak Prescott really started to lead the way with this whole uh, mental health awareness around the NFL, kind of leading the charge a couple of years ago. And so just to see so many guys really taking, um, thinking about that just being so important. Um, and you see a lot of professional athletes really taking care of their mental health. I talked to Deuce today, I talked to Luke, and just asked them, you know, like, what are, why is it so important to take care of your mental health? And they were like, man, we do so much, you know, like, it's just good to just, you know, take a deep breath. Uh, Deuce said that, you know, for him to kind of like, ease up and like kind of take a break from football sometimes he likes to read books and then Luke said he likes to you know his religion is really important to him uh he also uh kind of mentioned to me that music is a thing as well for him to kind of give him a peace of mind so uh just lo- I love how like a lot of athletes use different avenues um to kind of take care of their mental health 
So that was that was it was a really cool event. Yeah, today. and the kids got to take yeah. the yoga mats home with them, yeah. and and for Aww. a lot of them, it's the first time they'd had you know real yoga instructor instruction from a real uh, professional instructor, <laughs> and then uh, raising canes provided lunch yeah. and yeah. Dairy Max the smoothies, they had smoothies and so too, yeah. yeah, it was it was really an awesome day, and <laughs> it's so it's so nice of that rookie club. <laughs> Tuesdays are the players' day off, and yet they're here on a Tuesday morning spending time with those uh, yeah. middle school kids who just had a wonderful wonderful day so it, it was it was a day well spent for sure yeah we got to see some of the girls like stroll too some of the yeah like, we had the dance yeah the dance, dance group team. and the cheer team mm-hmm. cool. yeah, yeah. Cool. oh yeah. yeah i mean in regard to the mental health side of things definitely i can say as a, as a veteran yeah. i've even had to up my um just my responsibility to myself to check in and to make sure I'm taking care of myself. So uh, even though we're talking about the players, everyone out there, yeah. you know, this day is for you too. know that you're, you're needed, that mm-hmm. people love you, that you're cared about and just keep that in mind. And it's okay to ask for help. Absolutely. And that's, that's Dak's slogan, obviously yep. as well. So that's something that I carry. Um, and I take very seriously as well. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned um, military background. Uh, another event this afternoon, the Langford family, James Langford and his wife Maya and their two young boys came up and it was an event for Sleep Number. And mm-hmm. so they they knew that they were coming for a VIP tour of the star. So I'm taking them on a tour of the star, but they don't know that Tony Pollard is waiting for them in oh, the back. Oh, that's why he was So this is, yeah, so, so Tony, yeah, so uh, oh. Tony. So then we kind of finished the tour and then they win uh, some tickets to a uh, game, our Salute to Service game game from sleep number and lots of goodies and jerseys and stuff and so their little boys are out there running around Mm -hmm. on the field with tony handing them the ball and stuff like that so just a a wonderful day and so the cowboys and sleep number and tony pollard with our own uh early salute to service with the langford family that came up from houston awesome awesome. and i feel like for those guys especially after the the heaviness Mm -hmm. from this weekend it's it's a good way to start to turn the page decompress refresh and just remind themselves you know their why you know and and i know a lot of the guys you talked to in the locker room um talk about when you start getting into conversation with them about how they take their impact very serious and uh someone that i talk to a lot about this is michael gallup and saying i want to be an example for young kids that look up at me at the stadium and say hey i i want to do that one day he said if i can do that for one kid in that entire stadium i did something right in my job that day so uh for the rookies to get a taste of you're officially a dallas cowboy this is the weight that you hold and especially after that loss i I think it's a really good way uh for them to turn the page and then it explains i walked in tony pollard's in the in the lobby i was like what are you doing out here i sure was i was like man here in his crocs he chilling yeah he he, he was sporting those crocs in in sport mode and and you should have seen james's face it was so cool it was that's a great awesome. surprise. So that yeah. is awesome. Well, Not the Crocs being a sports <laughs> We can't just glaze over that. Look, I'm sorry. Look, that's fun. No shade. I love Crocs. I did too. I've I never had Crocs. a pair of Crocs, guys. Yeah, We're gonna change fact. that. I'm gonna buy Damn, you your first pair slacky. of Crocs. I've, I've just never thought about wearing Crocs. Well, right. they're, just, we gotta change they're convenient that. and comfortable. They're like that. so comfortable. I don't got one on. She's not wearing Crocs right now. Tony Pollard <laughs> was wearing Crocs upstairs. Um, right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> before we get too My off bad. topic, let's, let's transition from there. Let's uh, use Tony Pollard as a good starting point with the Dallas Cowboys offense. Let's get back into uh, some conversation post-game, um, post-loss to the San Francisco 49ers. Let's talk about it. The run game in in this game, obviously not uh, as much of a factor as they would have liked it to be. 57 total yards. Tony Pollard had eight touches on the ball for 29 yards. He averaged 3.6 yards per carry, 
Rico Dowdle, he had five attempts for 15 yards, averaging three yards per carry there. His longest run was eight uh, yards. Let's talk about why this run game wasn't established. Let's start there, and then we'll work our way around. Aisha, when you went back and you watched this game four times, ladies and gents, that's how dedicated she is to this podcast. Four times. Four. I couldn't even watch it once. Four. Um, What did you notice about the lack of run game? Why was it not able to get established early on? And going forward, how can they fix that to get that rhythm going a little bit quicker? Um, Well, a couple of things. When they when the offense deferred when they def- deferred and they allowed you know they decided to go out there and let the defense play first. I really thought that the offense ex- expected things to kind of go in their favor with the defense being out there and it, everything from there. I think Brian Schottenheimer mentioned that they never found a rhythm. Yep. And but part of the reason why they never found a rhythm is because they went. I felt like they went away from the run extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, I also, too, you know, just looking at TP and looking at Rico, I personally thought that Rico was really, when you play a defense that's that physical and is that downhill, you got to counter that. And I felt as though Rico could have countered some of that a little bit more. Also, too, I mean, some of the things we talked about on this show that we felt like could work up against this 49ers team, um, motion screens we only saw one in that game and it was successful that type of stuff we didn't really see in this game and so it was just to me it was very discombobulated from the start um offensively and going away from the run game as early as they did i don't think it it played it played into the 49ers hands with how they like to play defense would have really liked to see Tony pollard and rico get more involved um and maybe not just running up the middle maybe not just doing those things but doing some things attacking the edges and uh taking it to those guys i was disappointed in it if i'm not mistaken they ran the ball like two three yeah. times in the first half alone holy heck and you and we lock, We looked at the time of possession also too. Uh, Schottenheimer mentioned that's a reason why you know usage was kind of scattered. But even so, you run the ball to sustain sustain drives and to play off the play action. And there was just none of that yesterday or well, Sunday at this point. So that's to me what what I saw in the run game. I would agree with that. I mean, I feel like they just didn't trust it either. You know, mm-hmm. I guess when it. You're getting punched in the mouth like that early on, and then you kind of you have to still trust the game plan. You've got to still try to establish that run, and I feel like that's where the success came from in the first half of the season, the first couple of games. Um, and yeah, I'm just going with you. I think I would have liked them to get you know a lot of those guys involved, like Rico and um, Tony. Uh, maybe a little bit of Deuce and Hunter. Maybe kind of rotate them in, you know. Maybe some time. Um, yeah, I mean you can't go away from the game plan that early. Yeah, but then in the second half, when the score's starting to get away from you, then, you know, you're going to have to air it out some yeah. more. So so falling behind uh, the way they did uh, early, but especially in the second half when the game was starting to really get away from them. And mm-hmm. as, as Jess says, you, you got to go yeah. for the pass. One, one thing uh, that Mike said Monday afternoon that kind of pricked my ears up a little bit mm-hmm. was he was saying, because, you know, he was asked about, hey, you had your starting five offensive linemen back, and yet you're still not really able to run. And, and um, he didn't use this phrase, but time on task. It is important for these guys to, to work together. And so he said that moving forward that he in, uh, expects 
Tyron and Tyler on the left side of the offensive line being together as left tackle and left guard to have those combo blocks working better together, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but mm -hmm. again, that's kind of a time on task thing, and they had really only had a couple of practices together. Yeah, that's so point. that's something that we can look forward to yep. move, moving on. But you're right, I it, you know uh, would have loved to see more uh, screen passes. We saw some great screen passes, uh, <laughs> but unfortunately it was mostly McCaffrey and the, <laughs> the, 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 the 49ers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I think as far is not using Deuce or Hunter, that might be some things that they're trying to use more in the red zone. The Cowboys didn't make it to the red zone to be able yeah. to show that off, right? And we talked about before this game how Mike McCarthy hasn't had to show his full hand yet at his play calling. You you haven't really seen what those special packages can be for Deuce or Hunter really yet because, one, they're still trying to establish what's going on in the red zone, who the red zone guy is. They don't have that rushing threat in the red zone like they used to with Zeke. So establishing that is still something that's in the works. But, yeah, overall, um, Christy, to your point about the offensive line, I wanted to mention um, this tweet that John Owning tweeted earlier about Tyler Smith, and I think it's very important to note. Tyler Smith is currently PFF's highest-graded run blocker among inside O-linemen, 91.9. Um, he is also the only player to have grades above 80 for both zone and gap runs. So kudos to Tyler Smith there. Uh, I know good. I know Aisha <laughs> really is. Is, is all about that, but I think that's a second-year jump that we don't talk enough about uh, mm -hmm. just anywhere. I, I think the amount of work that Tyler Smith has done in, in the year that he has been here, you know, his rookie year to now, that second year jump is important and he's leaping. He's not just jumping, he yeah. is leaping. Well, remember, he got thrown in at left tackle yeah. his rookie year. He goes through all the offseason at guard and then Tyron Smith gets hurt right at the end of training camp and hey, you're in the starting lineup as we expected. Oh, but you're on the blind side at left tackle instead of left guard. So, man, just, but now to just leave him at left guard. And just oh my gosh, it's he. What it, Schottenheimer I think was actually the previous week said mm. he's just going to be a stud in this league for years to come. Yeah, and and to to kind of piggyback off the fact that like how good Tyler is playing, there were times in this game where there were lanes open that you know TP took a different angle or he took a different lane, and so also too those are those are things that you look at on tape and you say okay how do we improve from there? How can we go forward from there? Because you. I mean, this offensive line, to your point, is still trying to, you know, find some cohesiveness, um, really looking for them to, you know, continue to improve in the passing game as well because there were plenty of times, sometimes that Dak was under fire, some pressure coming from the edges. You really need those guys to um, pick up some of those blitzes yeah. and, and be physical as well. So uh, moving, but the run, the run scheme, uh, I think there were opportunities there this game and they didn't take them, but I also would have liked for them to take other avenues mm. to run the ball if running the way they were running wasn't working. And that's a perfect transition to the passing game, ladies. Let's open up that conversation mm. uh, for a little bit because, again, the passing game was kind of forced at, at that point, Christy, like you had mentioned, um, after the run was not established. In receiving yards, let's see, there was 161 total. C.D. Lamb had five targets. Um, he he got the ball four times there, 49 yards, averaging 12.3 yards per carry. And then Tony Pollard actually ranked second in receiving for the Cowboys in this game. Same amount of targets and receptions as CD for 35 yards there. Jake Ferguson, three receptions, 28 yards. Overall, let's get into the CD Lamb conversation because I feel like that's a big topic of conversation right now of not getting him the ball enough. Nicole, 
when we were in the press conference yesterday with Mike McCarthy, he was asked about this, and yeah. he said nobody wants to have nobody wants CD to have the ball more than me. Yeah. How do you get him the ball more in these games? Because when you look at the totals right now, you look yeah. at the the receiving totals so far in the last five games, CD's in the lead. He has the most targets, the most receptions. He has 358 yards, but 13 of those 35, uh, or excuse me, 13 of those receptions mm -hmm. came in week two. Yep. So yeah. it's just not being distributed enough throughout games. How do you fix that? It's easy. You simply get that run game going to open up that passing game. Um, I mean, there's no reason why. And his exact words were... Um, if he isn't pissed off about not getting the ball, um, you know, I'm pissed off that he's not pissed off about getting, you know, us not getting him the ball. And so um, I think they want to try to find more ways to get him the ball. But now it's like you have to just establish that run game in order to create opportunities in the passing game. It's, it's just as simple as that. I was really struck by what seems like the most basic question yesterday I think it was Todd Archer of ESPN.com that asked it of Mike McCarthy, what is your offensive identity? Mm -hmm. And Mike talked about, and who do you want to be, you know, on offense? And Mike talked about knowing, you know, he said this team is about defense, so we play to our defense. It's the strength of our team. So we can't give the ball away. You know, we want to we want to possess the ball and have long drives and limit the amount of time that our defense has to be on the field. And it's something that, you know, I mean, Jason Garrett wanted to do the same thing. All teams want to do that. 49ers did it against the Cowboys with those long drives and thing, things like that. But just thought it was was really interesting where the offensive coach and the offensive play caller, who's also the head coach, comes out and says, we're going to play to our defense. Yeah, I don't like so, that. yeah, you, you don't like that? I mean, I like it, but at the same time, you got to have a counter for if your defense ain't got it that day. Yep, that's fair. Which is right. what happened very exactly. early in that game is where they went down and scored. And then what is your plan after that? And for me, yeah. in, in regard to the C.D. Lamb thing, it's just like, um, number one, the guys on the offensive side of the ball, they have to finish. And it's not just finishing, you know, finishing the play. It's finishing the route, rubbing when you're supposed to, completing the play. And um, I, I also felt like there's a lot of space and stuff going on. It was a lot of two receivers in one space and stuff like that where it's like, hey, we got to figure out they got to get on the same page offensively because it does look like there's some confusion going on there as well. And you mentioned the run game opening up the pass. Heck, yeah, it will open up the pass, especially when you're not, uh, you're not <laughs> passing out a shotgun all the time. I mean, do some things on the center. Do some of the play-action things. I, I personally felt like there was not enough um, schematic stuff to get your guys open. I think uh, Shoddy and McCarthy, they mentioned that the Niners played more man than what they normally mm -hmm. do. They did. Yeah. They are typically a zone team. They'll sprinkle in some, some man, but they're typically a zone team. They played the Cowboys straight up yesterday, mm -hmm. pressed them at the line of scrimmage, and there wasn't a counter. That's the pro like That was my problem, yeah. is that mm -hmm. there wasn't a consistent counter to what what this defense came out and did to you that was different than what you planned on. But then also, too, these receivers have to play through that contact. They have to figure out how to fight through that adversity when things don't go their way. And so it's a mixture. There's there's conversation to be had all across the line with the receiving game. But 
I mean, it's that was one of the biggest things is fighting through the contact, having mm. a counter, and figuring out other ways to get you know to get your guys open when they need to be. But then when they are open, you have Dak that's kind oh, of throwing into double coverage. Like sure. you have to make better decisions as yeah. a quarterback, and absolutely. that's no shade to Dak, but like you have to make better decisions mm -hmm. if you have CD. Like he CD was wide open on maybe there two, were times three plays, absolutely, know? and so it's like at that point you just have to make better decisions. So. Yeah. Let's get into that conversation after this next break. Let's talk about Dak Prescott, maybe the play calling, if what the issues are, are that we can pick out of uh, the game. We'll get into some special teams. I know uh, Nicole got to talk to Brian Inger yesterday, so we'll get into that. And then, of course, we're going to talk defense. Stick with us. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, and we'll be right back. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby. The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Girls Talk Boys Talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk uh, more Jack Prescott discussion as well as play calling. But first, the most action-packed motorsports experience in the world returns to Arlington. Head to AT&T Stadium this Saturday, October 14th for Monster Jam. Tickets are available now at SeatGeek.com, the official ticketing provider of AT&T Stadium. Well, um, I've never been to Monster Jam, but it sounds it's fun. Oh, it's lit. really cool. Yeah, it sounds. It sounds like, it's, it's, a, it's really I've cool. Never been. Yeah. It's a big monster truck. Giant here and giant engines. <laughs> it's sounds very it's, exciting. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of, lot of families go. Please and don't got do the kids. that again. That yeah. scared me. Oh, my gosh. It's really cool. All right. Well, hmm. someone's fired up over here. Yeah, it's the coffee. My bad, y'all. I'm going to take this. <laughs> okay, uh, let's continue our conversation. Um, Nicole brought up Dak Prescott's um, not making the best decisions during this game. Aisha, you were talking about how you didn't see the field very well. Christy, you were on the sidelines of the game. What did you think of Dak's play? Uh, what did you notice? Maybe a difference from the first half to the second quarterly? I mean, what did you notice from how he was playing during the well, game? Well, you know, when the game was getting away in the second half and then it's kind expensive. of having to force it in yeah. there, you know, so um, that's not an excuse. Right. It's just a, you know, facts Fact. are facts. Yeah, uh, that that's how it is. Um, I, I would say that in not getting the ball to CD or some of the other guys, um, only I say only 26 pass attempts. You would think that it would be higher, especially when you're falling behind and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know needing to play catch up. And so um, CD was tied with Michael Gallup in terms of the most targets in this game with five. Tony Pollard was also targeted with five. And so. Um, and then Cooper Rush uh, had a couple of uh, attempts there late yeah. in the fourth quarter. But uh, And then you look at Brock Purdy's stat line, and he only had 24 attempts. 
and like a 144 rating. But what did they connect on that the Cowboys didn't? The big plays, right? Those catalytic, those long plays. And so we talked yesterday about how there were some shots down the field in this game, particularly early. A couple that didn't connect with Michael Gallup or a couple to uh, Brandon Cooks, one of them that was the interception later. So they were they were trying to get it, but San Francisco connected on theirs and Dak and the Cowboys didn't on on their own and how do you how do you fix that what's the solution for this because here's the thing we just talked about how cd's not getting the ball enough we've been talking about how brandon cooks isn't getting the ball enough earlier a few weeks ago we're talking about how michael gallup's not getting the ball enough so it seems like a ball distribution issue uh, game to game and given that could change with the game plan right you're going to see games where some guys get the ball more than others but when it's your playmaker your starting receiver and cd lamb how do you get him more open what what did you notice from the film I mean, as far as getting him more open, I, I think I, I meant it when I said it. There were sometimes. Yeah, he was open sometimes. I we Going back to when Nicole said earlier about, you know, the quarterback, quarterback got to see the field better yeah. also, too. Yeah. He got to be patient. Um, I felt like, to your point, Christy, they did take some shots, but what with what purpose? You know, yeah. what that you, you're, this defense is not stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you are you setting something up? But with the lack of run game, it's hard to set up exactly. anything deep downfield. And then also, too, if you're passing deep, you're passing out a shotgun every yep. single time. You're playing. You, you take when you do that, when you do so many plays out of shotgun, you take away the ambiguity of what you're going to do. If you are going to pass the ball off or hand the ball off there, they were so much more successful um, handing off the ball out of out of center and stuff in this game. I would like to see some more of that. But um, as far as getting him open, hey, man, listen, some days your guy ain't got it. I was I was surprised how tight Oliver played C.D. Lamb because he's mm -hmm. he's been had in yep. previous games. But they came up, they played press man, and they were winning at the line of scrimmage, their secondary. So an O.C. got to say, all right, man, they ain't got it. Let me figure that out. So I was looking for, again, the counter, but also, too, your quarterback did miss opportunities on this field when these guys were open. And it just felt like from there it just it kind of shrunk. Like when you miss those, especially against a defense like this, yeah. mm -hmm. if there's somebody slip and fall, <laughs> you better take it to the house. You yeah. better take advantage of that because they tackle well and they have opportunity. They don't have a lot of opportunities. Also would have liked to see more of Jake Ferguson because when you go look back at that tape, he was winning that matchup with yeah, Fred Warner was. often. And that is very difficult to do. And so it, when you talk about ball distribution, it's not even just about the wide receivers. Sure. It's about the tight ends mm -hmm. as well. And Dak missed sh uh, Schoonmaker early in that game, the beginning of that game. He overshot him. You mentioned it, yep. Nicole. We got to be on the money. Yep. That could have changed things as well. So it's, it's, it's the QBC in the field, but also being able to say, hey, we ain't got it today. Let me do things to scheme my guys open so they're not just looking like they're stuck in mud at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, just four targets to uh, tight ends this weekend. That's yeah. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Oliver. He's their nickelback for San Francisco. Yeah. I thought he was he one of the unsung heroes of that game. And for here's sure. the thing. Yeah. I, I think when you're talking about the Cowboys transforming to a more West Coast system, you're not going to see as much tight end usage in the pass game. As much. But it doesn't mean you sh you don't see it at all. You right? should, though. You, you, you yeah, should you, still you, you see should. it. But in the red zone, we haven't had the opportunity to see it. And that's yeah. where it's the most needed right now. You didn't even have the chance to see what the red zone plan was for the Cowboys this week. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you're going to get them involved, you need a guy to fill the Dalton Schultz shoes in the red zone. You need a guy to fill the Zeke shoes. But, yeah, you have... 
a group of very capable tight ends in this game, Jake Ferguson can get you that yak yardage, mm-hmm, the yak yardage that you need in the red zone, that, ne- that you need to get downfield in games like this, but just wasn't utilized. And so four targets to tight ends overall, who was Jake Ferguson, Sean McEwen, because he was elevated from the practice squad, and then Luke Schoonmaker, it's not acceptable as yeah. a play calling. So... I think there's a lot of blame that you could give uh, offensively here that needs to get better. And like Christy mentioned yesterday, uh, Mike McCarthy said that today is another day to go over everything, get the emotions out of the game, and then they're going to turn the page starting tomorrow. So uh, excited uh, to turn the page. Let's turn the page to special teams for a second. I want to go transition one. Oh, nothing. I'm just listening to you. I'm just listening to you. See how she's looking at me? I'm sorry. Are we beefing today? No. I was listening. No, I think she was really listening. I was. (laughs) Are we beefing? (laughs) Christy's the only one here just like staring at me like normal. Nah, I was fine. Okay. Well, I love you anyways. Okay. Um, Oh, Jazz is staring at me. Great. Um, Okay. Well, (laughs) let's transition to special teams Mm -hmm. because here's the thing. Special teams often overlooked. Yep. as a unit that does so much but it's just so underappreciated uh and we talk about it all the time here on this podcast but let's talk about it because losing cj goodwin potentially for an extended period of time um it's and and Cavante turpin potentially we don't know exactly what those injury uh extents are right now we don't know yet but let's let's say that both of them are out for extended periods of time it's not good. It's not good for your special teams unit, and it's just um, it makes everybody work a little bit harder in in uh, in ways that they were already kind of struggling before. Nicole, you got to sit down with Brian Anger yesterday, an unspoken hero yeah. of this team, just a veteran leader who's such a quiet leader but such a vital part of the special teams unit. I know he's been uh, vital in helping Brandon Aubrey adjust, and he's just a great locker room guy overall. We talk about it uh Christy and I do all the time. What did you get to learn from Brian yesterday after the game and some key points that you got from him from Cowboys Hour yesterday? Um, well, one funny thing, he likes to fish. That's funny. Uh, but no, <laughs> um, he talked about C.J. Goodwin and how that loss is going to be really huge for them. Um, and I know Brad actually mentioned to him that someone's going to, his quote was about C.J., that someone's going to realize one day that he could probably be an all-pro p- player, you know, just oh, based yeah. off how good he is. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, but no, uh Talking with Brian, he basically had said that, you know, this guy went from playing basketball at, like, Bethany College, I believe, yeah. a smaller school, and then yeah. he just all of a sudden picked up football, you know, ran a 4-2-9 and a 40. He's like, I mean, you have to miss a guy like that, especially who's produced so much for us on special teams. But, hey, we've got uh, Jalen Tolbert, you know, so I think that he can step up. He has shown that he can step up, like, in the Patriots game, you know, pinning them inside the 10. Um, so, I mean, they have full faith in um, Fossil, of course, mm-hmm. as special teams coordinator, and they got faith in Jalen Tolbert. So I know they're going to – I know C.J. Goodwin's going to be missed. What do yeah. you think, Chris? Yeah, so the way that they addressed it in the game on Sunday, because uh, C.J. got hurt early in the, in the first quarter, went back out there for one more play, and then basically missed uh, the rest of the game. So Tolbert uh, was at one gunner, and then they inserted Noah Igbenogany mm-hmm. uh, as the other gunner in place of C.J. And I think that Jalen Tolbert, to your point, Nicole, has proven himself just in the first month of the season as a, as a really good force 
person coverage at Gunner. And so, you know, maybe the special teams coordinators for the other team might shift a little more focus to Jalen moving yeah. forward because CJ is the guy that you really kind of have to plan for. Mm -hmm. So he's not just not just the leader, the veteran guy and the veteran presence, but really your most productive special teams guy. But the other thing is with uh, Cavante Turpin, not having him, what they did Sunday for the uh, for the remainder of the second quarter and then for the second half, Deuce Vaughn took over on punt returns and Rico Dowdle on kickoff returns. Well, here's the thing. Um, those guys are normally blocking for Cavante. So when they are taking over as the returners, then not only have you had to replace CJ, but you've had to replace Cavante mm -hmm. and CJ with blocking. So you've had to make two moves there. And so, you know, the special teams guys are mainly backups anyway. You have a few starters in there, like Jake Ferguson is a key guy, for example. When it's field goals and extra points, certainly your starting offensive linemen are, are out there to help block. But it is a real domino effect. And so um, they were really, especially the second half of that game, working on the fly. It was almost like a preseason game in terms of all hands on deck and trying to make all of these uh, personnel changes as, as the game moved along. But um, – yeah, just from a personal standpoint and having a good relationship with CJ for the past several years, you know, my heart hurts for him because mm -hmm. he really is a key guy. And Brad's right. He should have been in the Pro Bowl at least twice, really, over the past four or five years that he's um, past four or five seasons. But um, the Turpin thing, I know that Mike McCarthy said he's hopeful that he might be able to practice and maybe even play on Monday. We really won't know until they have their first full practice this week, which will be on Thursday extra day going into the Monday game. But, um, man, I, I I don't know. I don't know the way – I don't – I'm hopeful that Turpin will be able to play. But, man, it, that the dominoes yeah. are really going to fall if he's not able to. I also think it's interesting, too, to see how they replace him in the game. So you have Deuce Vaughn and then you have Rico Dowdle, who were both kind of taking reps at, yeah. at one point but, during but, the game. But also at wide receiver for Turpin and with that package. Right. So would Jalen Brooks be your fifth receiver? I, prob probably probably Brooks is your fifth receiver. Brooks was active when Brandon Cooks yeah. was not available for uh, game two or game three with the, the yeah. knee injury. And so Brooks would probably be active and he, uh, you know, he can – Obviously, if you're the fifth or sixth wide receiver, you're playing special teams. Right. So, so he, he could help be another um, person out there yes. and yeah. help on coverage and blocking and things like that. But, um, you know, I guess the positive was the Brandon Aubrey with his 50-yard kick. That was still solid. So. We love that. We yeah. love uh, Brandon Aubrey's 50-yard kicks on this <laughs> podcast and all over Cowboys Nation. Let's uh, – Take our next break. When we come back, we're going to continue this special teams conversation just a little bit. Uh, a couple more points there as well as the Cowboys defense, what mm -hmm. Aisha saw on film, what uh, we heard from Dan Quinn yesterday, and a couple little nuggets that we can throw out. And we have a question to answer uh, from someone on Twitter that I want to end the conversation with. So we'll get to all of that after this break. This is Girls Talk Boys Talk. Stick with us and we will be right back. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. 
You know that sound anywhere. It's the crisp crunch of that first nacho chip. With its perfect cheese to sour cream ratio sitting atop a layer of delicious beans, it's a sip away from perfection. That's what we're looking for. Add a delicious, refreshing Pepsi and we've achieved absolute nacho nirvana. Because while you can pile those nachos high with every spicy, cheesy, savory topping, there's no topping a cool Pepsi finish. Nachos, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. to our final segment of girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw the preferred dating partner of the dallas cowboys we're getting into a little more post-game discussion but first head to the pro shop at the northeast mall in arlington texas on saturday october 15th between 11 a.m and 4 p.m for cowboys collections on tour see rare team archives customize headwear grab a gift with purchase and enter a chance to win a giveaway stay tuned for more tour stops coming throughout the season sorry guys i had to sneeze um i'm holding in a sneeze here um anyways let's get into a little bit more of special teams because here's the thing i think when it comes to we're just talking about brandon aubrey he is your top scorer on this team uh right now to and, and, that, and that's not necessarily a, a good it's thing because you, you don't want to settle for threes you want yeah. your kickers to have a lot of ones for <laughs> extra points not a bunch of threes yeah. for field goals because you've been stalling in the red zone let's go through this he has 14 field goals and then 10 extra point kicks there 52 points for the season so far and that's a lot of points for your kicker in only five games. I would just like to point that out. It's only been five games, and those are his stats. Um, We praise Brandon Aubrey's leg uh, so much, but it's going to need a break at some (laughs) point. Let's let's stick to extra points uh, moving forward. Let's stick to extra points and, you know, just give the man a break. It's a long season ahead. But I love Brandon Aubrey's story, and I love what you've been able to see because the conversation – If you go back to week one a little bit, the conversation was not, Brandon Aubrey is going to be carrying this team on his back to score points during games. It was, is he even the kicker? Is he the starting kicker? Remember preseason? Everyone was questioning. Is he the guy? Do you go and get another kicker? And I'm so proud of what he's been able to do during his time here. And a large part of that, he credits to guys like Brian Anger, Trent Sag, uh, your long snapper there as well. So we're we're going back to... um, you know, the the ripple effect of C.J. Goodwin here. There are veterans within this unit, but when you lose a guy like C.J. Goodwin, who, by the way, when you saw that blocked kick a couple weeks ago, kind of spearheaded that during the game, made the call to say, hey, we got this look at practice. The morning before, in the ballroom at the hotel, the guys were practicing the same thing, and then it transpired into the game because C.J. Goodwin was the one running that operation behind Bones Fossil. So again... It may not be a ripple effect that you see automatically from special teams, but it could be a ripple effect of what you don't see. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily good because blocked kicks, muffed punts that, that they return, things things of that nature, right? Things that you don't see that could add more of a threat to this Cowboys team overall. So wanted to throw that out there. All right, defense, ladies, let's get to our last segment here. Aisha, <laughs> I see you doodling over there. Hmm. 
Oh, yeah. I see you doodling. She's underlining the important thing she wants to talk about. <laughs> the thing about Aisha's notes is it's funny because I've known her for a, a year now. We've been doing this podcast. I know what that says. I think if anybody just looks at it, nobody would know what it says. It's chaotic, yeah. It's so fun to, to watch, but what do, what do your notes say about what you saw from the Cowboys' defense and <laughs> what you saw specifically in the second half of the game? Let's yeah, go yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, well, number one, I wanted to just piggyback really quickly off of what you said about uh, the blocked kicks. Wanye yep. was close a couple he times. Was. He was. He's, he's going to get another one. His speed off the, off the line is just is different. I'll say that he's really twitchy, and so I, I wanted to highlight that that I do think that he's going to get another. You're making the call. You're <laughs> making the call. <laughs> Hoping that he gets another one now. Um, from this defense, um, the 49ers play uh, a lot of quick game. So we talked about it yesterday, where I was like, I was surprised at the lack of pressure that they got. That plays into it as well as the fact that the 49ers get the ball out a lot. Um, uh, I believe that my, not Mike McCarthy, uh, Dan Quinn said, you know, that they wanted to create longer third downs. He was mm-hmm. hoping that they created more longer third downs. They had um, 14 third downs total, it sounds like, and it, they had seven under four yards, um, where they had five wins and two losses, and then they had seven uh, four yards or more. And they had five losses and two wins. So you kind of see the balance there. And they were hoping to get them into more third and short situations. With that being said, one of the biggest problems that I... Well, one of the biggest issues was there was a lot of leaky yardage. Well, we talked about on this. We talked about on this podcast that these guys needed to tackle um, and be sure tacklers. But the Niners just fought for just a couple more yards here and there or a couple more yards after contact here and there. Um, Really was also surprised that the Cowboys didn't disguise more in the secondary. They Mm -hmm. ended up playing. um, This is a Cowboys are a heavy man team. They ended up playing a lot more zone. And I thought that they would be um, a good mix of that. But that's not what happened. And so really, for me, it was just the fact they could not get them off the field on third down, whether it was for leaky yardage a couple yards, a couple of uh, downs before, or the penalties on the key third down situations mm-hmm. where they had gotten them off the field. Um, and, I mean, yep. just San Fran also, too, they just, I mean, they just do such a good job mm-hmm. causing conflict, getting your guys to run into each other, rubs, stuff like that. And I, I think not disguising as much as the Cowboys could have done really put them in a play they played them straight up almost they were just like yeah can you beat it and I'm like no Brock Purdy has had another year of being a quarter another he's had more time at being a quarterback you got to show him some different looks get your pass rush some time Mm -hmm. make him come off that first read and I wasn't sure we saw that consistently um there were a few highlighted guys but other than that yeah it it just wasn't a good day in the office uh LVE Sad. Oh. He got hurt because he he was very sound yeah. against the run yes, he was. early in that game. So, um, yeah, just those to me, that was the big takeaway I took from it. And I was glad that uh, Dan Quinn mentioned creating the shorter, I mean, the longer yeah. third downs because yeah. that's where that defense thrives. Yeah, pin your uh, ears back when yes. it's third and long. And then he, Dan also mentioned that the one time they got him in a third and 15 and they give up an explosive mm-hmm. play, you know. So you can't the, do that. Yeah, you, you can't do that nor, because the, the defense has been good at taking advantage of that, yeah. you know, three of the previous um, four games. But you're right about the leaky yards when instead of holding them to a two-yard run, when that becomes a four- or five-yard run. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, and it's a shorter second down, shorter third third down but uh the way dan put it was he says it's uh like paper cuts you know just death hit again and get cuts. death by a thousand yeah. paper a cuts taylor is basically what it was yeah. Yeah. it's a great taylor swift song 
Oh, does that what you got? All right, Jazzy, get no, ready. No, we had a no, Taylor no. Swift. To be fair, that's what Dan said. I know Dan, he said or, it. Excuse me, Mike said "Death by a Thousand Cuts" and in the press conference, it's not a pun. Like, Is that a lyric? I was like, it's, but it's a Taylor Swift reference. No, so there but we go. I thought Wait, in my I head, thought, in my head, I thought that's a Taylor Swift song when he said it, but I didn't say it until that we got quarter is from from Mike McCarthy. Wait, so when do we put uh, Jazzy, Jazzy said, said I get a pass, pass because I'm just quoting what Mike McCarthy said, so it does not count. Wait, so since when do we put? Coins in the jar for Taylor Swift song. You haven't gotten you, okay. You're safe We're, at this point. Oh, actually, I got a tweet about you. What yours is going to be. Wait, what? Yeah, we got a tweet of when we put a uh, quarter in for you, and we'll talk about it uh, after the show. Oh, I synced it. Yeah. I synced it. We got what a tweet about it. Everybody, we have a no we have our own things that we have to put in there. <laughs> yep. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. No, That's, I don't know what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> Ain't that the saying? Yeah. Anytime <laughs> you saying. say, you know what I'm saying. You, have you to say that. I say that a lot. Not a lot, but you say it. I don't and that's, know. That's how that's people going to dress your saying. But it's all either for a Christmas fund or <laughs> for fun. uh, charity. charity. Or so we'll cost. we'll decide later. Or, or for, for Jazzy's, Jazzy's birthday. birthday. Yeah. So. We're going to be broke. It's all right. <laughs> you know what? what? Come me alone. You're going to be broke from the puns. So yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, but we got questions. We got, yeah, we got a good question. Speaking yes. of Twitter, <laughs> let's end this episode with a good question that we got here on Twitter. Uh, I tweeted to send us your questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them. We will save them uh, throughout the week, though. Jamie wants to know, he said, good evening from the UK. Does Jamie, um, last week's show where the Cowboys really are or aren't likely to challenge the likes of the Eagles and 49ers in the NFC? Or do you think it was just a bad day in the office and we don't see that kind of performance again this season? Honest <laughs> opinions here, based on that question. Uh, well, you Go going first, Nicole? <laughs> Who's going first? I'll go first. Okay. Um, well, let me say I hope it doesn't happen again. I hope that it was a bad day in the office and it was just kind of like, okay, like the Cardinals game, like, uh, let's just throw that away. Let's just hope that was that. Um, but I think that now, since you've gotten exposed as an offense, you've been relying and playing behind your defense all season long. Now, I feel like you've got to step up. And I'm hoping that, like I said, that was just a bad day in the office. Now this team has had time. You've got extra days. Now you've got to step up because, again, like I said yesterday, your schedule does not get any easier. Um, so, I mean, no. I, I, I hope. I'm not going to say that. It might not happen. But okay. I definitely hope, certainly hope it does not happen again. I'll go to what Bill Parcells used to say. You are what your record says you are. This is a 3-2 and two team. And there's no shame in losing to a 49ers team, which proved itself on game day Sunday to be the superior team. Hmm. But the fact that the defense, who by Mike McCarthy's admission is the strength of the team, win two out of three games and they're coming saying that's not us, that's not good. This team is not good enough. If they do not play complementary football, this team is not good enough for one phase to carry all three. Okay. To this point, to this point, can that change, Jamie, moving forward? We hope so. We, I really don't – we still haven't seen this offense it's at full strength or at, you know, full throttle. And it's been five games, okay? There's no more excuses moving forward. You've got your five offensive linemen. You can't use that as an excuse anymore. We're not at full strength along the offensive line. Dak needs to play better. He's the first to say that. Same. We need to get the ball to CD more. Yeah, but we also need to get it to Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup and, and to Jake the Ferguson. tight ends and Jake Ferguson. And Peyton Hendershot needs to get back and healthy and get involved. So ball distribution is going to be the thing. Mm -hmm. And it's all about matchup, guys. 
don't get worried that CD was targeted eight times this time and Michael only twice. It's going to depend week to week. Okay, mm -hmm. so don't get caught up in the numbers week you know week to week. It, that that's going to vary. But you are what your record says you are, and right now they're not equal to the 49ers. And hopefully we get a chance to play them again in January. Um, I'm going to answer the question by saying that if. I think both sides of the ball got to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves what they want to be. And that's like, to me, I guess coaches included, just because it's it's not working. It's it's a player's, and it's, it's all the way around. So to me, if they don't make changes internally within themselves, their decision-making, some of their – however they decide to do things, then, yeah, this is, this is what they're going to be. But you've seen in this last few games, like, there has to be changes made. Um, I – with your ideals and how you decide to go about, you know, continue to push this team. Because clearly the offensive side of the ball, they're struggling with some certain things. But defensively as well, what is your your bread and butter? Like, how are you guys going to go forward? And if your bread and butter is not working anymore, what changes can you make to, to go ahead and, and evolve? Because it might just be time for that. Like, it might just be time to evolve in different ways. So mm -hmm. uh, if they stay like this and they don't change anything, yeah, but they got to make some decisions yeah. amongst each other to get and, better. Yeah. And, and by the way, Leighton Vander Esch is going to miss some time, Yeah, you know, Which is several weeks at least, you yeah. know, a handful of games. So at least, hopefully, he'll be back. Mm. But we don't know how long. Yeah, we don't know, and we can get in this discussion tomorrow, but – if you remember how the run defense looked last season and when the conversation came up, it's when he had that neck stinger and he was That's not right. available. So That's right. uh, we'll get into that. Here's what I think about that question. I think that when you lose to a 49ers team who is arguably the best in the NFL right now, doesn't necessarily define you. What, what defines you is how you bounce back from this. Because like you said, Christy, there's nothing left that you can say is getting in your way anymore. Can't be emotional for this next game. You can't overhype it. You can't get too in your head about it. It's either you do it or you don't. You execute or you don't. You have a game plan. It's not working. You adjust it or you don't. And that's what's going to define the team. You're only five weeks in. Your team is three and two. Other three and two teams include the Bills, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Jags, the Colts. You can keep going down this list. Um, and the Saints... Three and two is not a horrible record. At the end of the day, you're still vying for a playoff run at this point. Oh, yeah. You're still talking about the playoffs in this conversation because you have the talent on this team. Huh. But how you decide to execute going forward, that defines this football team. Absolutely. It's not what happened on Sunday night, and it's not anything that's happened these last five weeks. It's what you learn from it, what you take away from it, and what you decide to execute on going forward. So Better pivot. Yep. Well, ladies, our time has come to an end. We went a little bit over today, but all in good, good stuff here. Tomorrow, we're going to turn the page officially. We're going to start talking all things Chargers for your Monday night football game. Um, so you get a Sunday to kind of rest and, and get ready for Monday night. But we're going to give you all the previews uh, like we normally do in a normal week, Wednesday and Thursday um, as well. So... With that being said, we'll be back here tomorrow. Um, please take care of yourself. It is World Mental Health Day, so please make sure to take care of yourself. Ask for help if you need it. You are important. You are very loved, and I'm so glad um, that we could do this podcast to remind you of that every day. Yeah. Have a great rest of your day. For Christy, Nicole, Aisha, and Jess, we appreciate the heck out of you. Go be amazing. This has been Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, and we'll see you tomorrow. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!